Section 9 of Birds and Nature, Volume 10, Number 2, September 1901. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. The White-Throated Sparrow. Zonotrichia albicolis. The sparrows are all meek and lowly birds. They are not clothed in a plumage of gorgeous hues, but are endowed with melodious voices in harmony with their surroundings. Theirs are the quaint lullaby songs of childhood. Their plain coats are a means of protection, for they frequent the fields, the hedges, and the low shrubs of the woodland borders. Some of their relatives the grosbeaks, the goldfinch, and the finches are more brilliantly colored and are more arboreal in their habits. The white-throated sparrow, Donotrichia albicolis, is one of the handsomest of the sparrows. It is one of the exquisite parts of nature. Migratory in habits, its range covers all of eastern North America, nesting from Michigan and Massachusetts northward, and wintering from the latter state southward to Florida. Its scientific name is descriptive of the marked color characteristics of its crown and throat. Zonotrichia means hair or crown bands, and albicolis is from the Latin meaning white-throated. It is sometimes called Peabody bird, especially by the New Englanders, with whom Peabody is an important traditional name, and they hear the birds say in its song, I, I, Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. This rendering of its plaintive song is a caricature, yet the name clings to the bird even in other parts of the country. The reserved manner of its movements would hardly lead one to expect that a beautiful song could flow from its white throat. This song is so well defined that the notation may be written on the musical staff. Mr. Chapman says, quote, In September, when the hedgerows and woodland undergrowths begin to rustle with sparrows, juncos, and towhees, I watch eagerly for the arrival of these welcome fall songsters. End quote. We cannot forbear quoting the words of that great student of bird life, Audubon, who says of the white-throat's habit in autumn, quote, How it comes and how it departs are quite unknown to me. I can only say that all of a sudden the edges of the fields bordering on creeks or swampy places and overgrown with different species of vines, sumac bushes, briars, and the taller kinds of grasses, appear covered with birds. They form groups, sometimes containing from thirty to fifty individuals, and live together in harmony. They are constantly moving up and down among these recesses, with frequent jerkings of the tail and uttering a note common to the tribe. From the hedges and thickets, they issue one by one in quick succession and ramble to the distance of eight or ten yards, hopping and scratching in quest of small seeds and preserving the utmost silence. When the least noise is heard or alarm given, and frequently, as I thought, without any alarm at all, they all fly back to their covert, 
pushing directly into the thickest part of it. A moment elapses when they become reassured, and ascending to the highest branches and twigs, open a little concert which, although of short duration, is extremely sweet. There is much plaintive softness in their note, which I wish, kind reader, I could describe to you, but this is impossible, although it is yet ringing in my ears, as if I were in those very fields where I have so often listened to it with delight. No sooner is their music over than they return to the field and thus continue alternately sallying forth and retreating during the greater part of the day. At the approach of night they utter a sharper note consisting of a single twit, repeated in a smart succession by the whole group, and continuing until the first hooting of some owl frightens them into silence. Yet, often during fine nights, I have heard the little creatures emit here and there a twit, as if to assure each other that all's well. The nest, too, is a neat creation of small roots, coarse grass, bark and moss and lined with a bedding of fine grass and moss it is usually placed on the ground in fields or open woods where it is protected by the taller grasses sometimes however low bushes or the lower branches of trees are selected so careful is the white throat in the constructing of its nest not to disturb the surrounding vegetation and so neutral is the color of the material used that one may hunt for a long time without finding it, unless he luckily stumbles upon it. End of section 9